Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Words of Heart. In today's episode, we'll be discussing with brilliant comedian Sean Eli. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Eli. Thank you. I didn't realize I was going to be described as brilliant, but I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mr. Eli, if you can tell us a little bit about your work. I don't think I know many comedians, so this is a first. Well, you do now. Um, (laughs) I've been a stand-up comedian for 18 years. I started a little later in life. I started when I was about 40, which is kind of, well, it's kind of old to start anything, but it's definitely old to start performing stand-up and I like what I do I I had a day job when I started and six years later I gave that up so I've been a full-time stand-up for 12 years or 11 years and one pandemic year is probably a better way to describe it (laughs) one pandemic year (laughs) well there's I mean there's the last year I haven't been doing that much I've been doing what I can right but I think I have the best job in the world I get paid to make people laugh I can't think of anything better than that True, laughter is the best medicine. <laughs> yeah, which which is why I don't understand country music, because they're paid to make people cry. That doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I never thought of it that way, because I'm really into country music. And <laughs> I thought it was really about love songs, but in a way, it really is about making people cry. I never thought of that until now. <laughs> well, I, didn't, I didn't think of it until now either. I just popped into my head, but it's somewhere that country that bars discovered that people drink more when they play sad music. Huh. Weird. weird. But I don't have a bar, so I don't have to play sad music for anybody. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a bar either. I just, well, I do this. That's my Uh recipe for the world, not alcohol. (laughs) Which, I'm sure there's nothing wrong with drinking as long as you don't make a habit of it. Oh, now you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to do with a liquor cabinet? <laughs> Give it to your next door neighbor. <laughs> um, uh, my next door neighbor's a surgeon. I don't really think I want him drinking that much. <laughs> or. Or his, or his wife, who's an obstetrician. Either way, <laughs> bad idea. <sighs> well, do you have any stories you like to share? I mean, we could yeah. talk about how you shouldn't drink alcohol to a certain extent, but that would make this podcast really boring. <laughs> Although it's it would all, pretty funny. It would also also a problem for my profession because, in a way... Stand-up comedy, in a co- at least in a comedy club, is essentially a way to lure people to buy to a room to sell them two drinks. The same way, you know, you think a movie theater is in the business of showing movies, but really they're in the business of selling popcorn. Right. That's where they make all their money. But I, so I'll I'll tell you a story. When I when you're new in comedy, the way you get better is just by getting in front of an audience as much as possible. And what they say in comedy is stage time, stage time, stage time. You just got to get on stage in front of an audience to get better. And when I've been doing comedy, maybe two or three years, I heard that an arts festival was coming to town and they were looking for artists and not specifically comedians. They wanted singers and dancers and poets and storytellers and, you know, jugglers and everything they could find. 
And I called and said, how about comedians? And the guy said, sure, come on down and, you know, apply. And I went down there and I told him I was a comedian. And he said, sure, show up on Sunday. And I said, how many minutes am I doing? And he had no clue what to say, which is actually a bad sign for somebody putting on an event. And he said, 15 minutes. And I said, yeah, that's fine. I'd never done 15 minutes before. Because when you start out, they give you five minutes, then maybe you get seven or eight, maybe 10. 15 minutes is a big step. But I had enough material to fill 15 minutes, so I wasn't worried. And I get there. And since it's not just individual performers like me, there's dance troops and, and you know, bands. There's a lot of people there. And so we couldn't just wait backstage till it was our turn. They had us in a room in another part of the building. And then they would come get us when it was our turn to go on stage. So they came and got me. And I went on stage and there's about 30 or 40 people in the audience. And I start performing and I open, you know, with a joke I'd been opening with for, you know, a couple of years. I said, you know, they say I don't open with this anymore, but I think it's still a decent joke. I say they say the car that you drive reflects your sexuality. You think that's true? Because <laughs> I drive my mom's car. Actually, I think that joke is really accurate because I don't understand why people prefer to vehicles as females. I never understood that. Even my siblings name their cars, and I just I don't understand. It's just a it, just a machine. Why would you name it? So <laughs> I completely understand that joke. Well, I I don't. I probably own five or six cars. I've only named two of them. And one, one was a, a, to give you an idea of how old the car was, it was a Volkswagen rabbit. So it was Alice, the rabbit from Alice in Wonderland. And, and the other car was a Honda. So it was Rhonda, the Honda. So they were both women, but not because I chose to make them women just because it worked. Ah, okay. So, but anyway, I, you know, and I get no reaction from the audience and I'm, this is material I've been doing at comedy clubs for a couple of years. And I thought it was funny and audiences liked it. And they just stared at me blank stares. And, and I'm like, this is going to be a hard 15 minutes. And I keep going and I'm getting nothing, no response from them. And, and I, but I got to trudge through and do my 15 minutes and it's torture. And the thing about comedy when you're new is if things aren't going well, every instinct you have is wrong because what the instinct is, is to step back and withdraw and step away from the audience and speed up to get the unpleasant experience over as fast as possible. And all of that is wrong. You need to be bolder and step forward and slow down and be more forceful. And that's not the instinct, but I did the best I could. And maybe after 10 or 11 minutes, I got some smiles. And then by the end, they were laughing, but I just, left and I was practically crying. I might as well have been a country music <laughs> musician because <laughs> I left and you know went home and I was feeling terrible. This is a Sunday night and I still had a day job. So Monday morning, I go to the office and at noon and, and the, the advantage of starting something at 40 instead of 20 is there is some wisdom that comes with age because if you're 20 and you have a terrible show, you're miserable for a week. If you're 40, you're like, okay, that went wrong. What did I do wrong? And what can I do to make sure it never happens again? Or what could I have done to fix it? But I still have no idea what happened. 
And just by the most amazing coincidence, it's lunchtime. I go to a, to a store, like a 99 cent store near my office, and I'm walking around and a guy comes over to me and he says, guy, I don't know. He says, you were very funny last night. Aww. And I'm like, you sure you have the right guy? I, I am a comedian. Are you sure you're talking about last night? And he's like, yeah, last night downtown. And I said, I was on stage, but I was terrible. And he said, do you know what you followed? And I said, no, we were all, you know, sequestered in the back and we had, we couldn't see anybody else. He said, the woman before you was a storyteller and she told the true story of how she, she in another country, growing up in another country, she was forced into an arranged marriage as a kid and beaten and abused every day by her old, much older husband until she finally escaped and made her way to America. He said, we were crying when you got on stage, but you cheered us up. And I thought that was amazing. And I'm like, oh my God, what a thank you. I was so appreciative. Just a coincidence because there's 8 million people in New York City. There were maybe 40 people in the audience. And one of them happened to be in the same place I was and recognized me. Oh. So I realized after that, you know, you never know what what the backstory is you know when when somebody breaks up with you and they say it's not you it's me sometimes it is them and in this case you know it wasn't it wasn't about me it was the audience was not ready for comedy and and the lesson also is if you're going to put on a sad horrible somebody telling horrific stories don't put a comedian on after them put something else in between <laughs> make a mus make a musician bite that bullet not not a comedian yeah that's not usually a good follow-up act sad story oh who needs sadness when you can laugh yeah that's... i think i mean no i know laughter is obviously a good medicine but just i'm like mumbling here i try not to mumble <laughs> <laughs> but um basically from what you're saying it wasn't like a good leading to trying to get people to laugh if they're sad but you you pulled it off you made them happy again yeah you know it's right but i didn't know that was i didn't know how how low the base was where i was starting or i would have been proud of myself but i mean i've never run into this but i other comedians have because we do show sometimes in synagogues and somebody will be like talking about the holocaust for 10 minutes and then be like oh and now here's the comedian so it's the same sort of thing. You know, you need you need to have a little break before you, you, you put comedy in front of something right after a tragedy. Yeah, you do. Yeah. So, but I've never had that happen again. So that's the good news. So you pretty much performed all over. Um I I do even though it's been a while since we've actually chatted, um, because my podcast schedule has been really crazy. Um, you've performed pretty much all over, as I recall from your bio and everything. Is there a particular um place you find memorable in your travels from what um, you do? A a couple are memorable, but for opposite reasons. Because uh, I've I've done shows on five continents. And I suppose I should say in the days of Zoom shows, I've done shows on five continents actually in person. Uh, but uh, two memorable 
things I can think of are three. Ireland, they seemed like they were starved for comedy. They loved me in Ireland. <laughs> and I think that's just, I don't know. It, they were just very happy with my work. And I, th I tend to think of my humor as universal. I don't have a lot of local references. I'm not like a, a New York comedian who goes to Ohio and talks about his $3,000 a month apartment. And they think he's an idiot because why would you pay $3,000 a month for an apartment? You know, that sort of thing. I don't do that. But South Africa, they did not get me. And it was, I, every night I would do a show and start crossing jokes off my list. Like that one didn't work. That one didn't work. Let's try this one instead. And it took me a while to get my bearings because they just did not get my sense of humor. Oh. But it's a learning experience. So um, I'm going to ask this question. So when you were younger, have you always wanted to be a comedian? Or like you said, you got into it in your 40s, which, hey, it's never too late to get into something you're passionate about, no matter what your age is. But um, have you always wanted to be a comedian? Well, I always liked writing jokes and wanted to be a comedy writer. I never wanted to be a performer. In the last time I was on stage before stand-up comedy, I think, I was in the fifth grade play. I had three lines and got shot. I don't remember what the play was, but, um, and after that for weeks, everybody would come up to me and say, Oh, I thought you were dead. And I got so tired of hearing that, that I'm like, I'm never acting again. <laughs> oh. And, and, but in a way, stand up comedy is the opposite of acting because an actor is being somebody else. And a comedian is basically, unless they're a character like Rodney Dangerfield, uh, they're being a, just a bigger version of themselves. So it's sort of the opposite of acting. But did I want to, I wanted to write. I never wanted to be a comedian and somebody talked me into trying it. And I'm like, hey, this isn't so bad. Okay. Hmm. Who's your favorite comedian besides yourself? I'm my favorite comedian. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> you saw that one. Darn it. <laughs> it's no good when the audience sees the punchline before it gets out. <laughs> I would say there's there's a lot of really funny people around and I could name people you've never heard of, but if you want names of people that are maybe more famous, um, I would say Robert Klein or, and it may make me the least cool person in the room, but I think Jay Leno's pretty amazing. I think Rita, Rita Rudner's very funny. Um, but where, where are you? Cause I don't know. I'm, in St. You know, Petersburg, Florida, I'm not like in somewhere fabulous like Milan or Italy or uh, L.A. I'm just in little old Florida. Okay, well, wait a minute. You're in St. Petersburg, and I'm in New York, and tomorrow I'm going to have to shovel six inches of snow. <laughs> so don't tell me where you live isn't fabulous. <laughs> okay, when you put it like that, I mean, i never seen snow, so, I mean, if you want to switch places and be in the unpredictable Florida heat feel free and I could shovel snow and make snowflakes and something because I've never seen snow oh well then you need to get into whatever your car is named and drive north <laughs> <sighs> but driving in snow is a skill so I would say if you drive north and it is snowing be careful got it hmm I mean, I could mail you some snow, but it, the way the post office is these days, it would probably melt before. It'll it be got more there. like a slushy once it gets here—a really yeah. melted slushy. And slushies are yummy, but not if it's liquid form. 
Well, here's what you can do. You could buy a really old, crummy, non-frost-free refrigerator freezer, and then it will eventually fill with snow. <laughs> huh. I think, I think, oh, I was at Sam's Club. I think they ran out of those. Oh, I'm just oh, going to well. have to order it off the Crusted Freezer website. Yes, I'm sure there's a freezers, old crummy freezers.com website. <laughs> <laughs> so it's never, it's never snowed? Because I know occasionally they get, you get frost in Florida. Um, I mean, I know it snowed once, but that was before I was even born. And I know there's um, oh. frost to some extent, but not by much. Yeah, I guess it has to be cold enough and, and rainy rather than just cold yeah. enough. Because when there's a frost in Florida, we hear it in the news because they're like, oh, it's going to hurt the orange crop. It's, you know, below freezing in Florida. So we do hear about it. Yeah, but we're just sunny and unpredictable. Well, I could use this. Actually, it's pretty sunny here today. It's just, it's not. I don't know whether your audience really needs to hear 20, my 20 minute whining about the weather (laughs) in New York. Because if I if I hated it so much, I would just leave. Mm, I'm trying to think of another topic or question that would catch you off guard. Well, oh, to catch me off guard! Mm. All right, bring it on. <laughs> You're, and I know there's. I'm, I don't know how comedians are, feel about comedic movies, but what's your? To- uh. I'll make it simple. Your top three favorite comedic related movies. And it can even be one of those little stand-up specials if you want. Well, you know, it's it's funny. People will say to me, you know, oh, you're a comedian. Do you think this actor's funny? And I'll be like, he's an actor. He's he's somebody else is writing his words. So to me, it's like, okay, he's a good comedic actor, but I wouldn't call him a comedian. Okay, so comedic um, actor, but... I guess, is more specific. But but in terms in terms of funny movies, well, I think mostly when somebody asks your favorite movies, you go back to your childhood. And so the movies I remember growing up were Animal House and Stripes, and those were before you were born. So I don't know if you've even heard of them. Um, I don't know about Animal House. Um, Stripes. Um, I believe that was a military movie. It was sort of, yeah, Bill Murray joins yeah, the army. Um, I at least saw that once with my dad, so I at least know about Stripes. Um, Animal House, no, I have no knowledge of that. It was about a, about, about a silly college fraternity. Oh. I mean, it's, it's worth seeing because the good guys win in the end, and it's basically a, you know, I don't know what you'd call it, you know, the, the downtrodden, disenfranchised, abused fraternity. Oh. Wins so the, the underdogs pretty much. Yeah, that's the word. Underdog. Yes, the underdog <laughs> wins. So I guess that's it. Hmm. But uh, I'm trying to think. I really, it's, obviously, it's been a year since I've been to a movie theater, but I've gotten old and crotchety, <laughs> and like they don't make movies for people my age very often, and and it's so much easier to sit at home. I have a 75 inch TV now, so things are gigantic in my house. Well, I guess gigantic well okay no no i get it i get it it. i'm just trying to think of something massive 
that would pertain to your gigantic television set. Well, it's not as big as my it's car. It's not as big as your car, obviously. Unless it's a car TV, then it could drive itself, but actually... That would be an interesting thing. That would be thing. really cool. We'd have a lot of accidents because people would be watching other cars while they drove. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, there's a Law & Order episode in the next lane. <laughs> Crash. Uh, oh, I know what I can ask you. Even though I'm not a big sports head, I'm more of a supporter. Who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Um, I actually care even less about sports, so... <laughs> I don't know who's going to win the Super Bowl. I just hope COVID does not win the oh, Super Bowl. Oh, see, that's a per- ah, that see, that's a beautiful segue. Co- no COVID yeah, doesn't I don't, win. Yeah, that is right. I don't want people to have all these giant Super Bowl parties and then they spread it like it happened, you know, at Thanksgiving and Christmas. Right. See, I I can support that. Hopefully, yeah, but as far as which which team, I don't care. Which team? Which team hasn't won in a long time? I want the underdog. Okay, you said the underdog, so you kind of inadvertently answered my question without actually answering the question, because technically the underdogs would be residing where I live, but yeah, but you have the quarterback who has won about a thousand Super Bowls. So he's not the un- the team may be the underdog, but he's not. Everybody, I don't, <laughs> I don't have no freaking segue or explanation for that. It's not our fault. We have a cool quarterback. <laughs> I guess not. <sighs> but but Tampa gets to play at home, and that doesn't seem fair. I mean, playing the. Playing the weather. <laughs> guess what? Yeah, I guess. <sighs> the weather, and I guess COVID rules, because they couldn't play in pl- a place where they wouldn't be allowed to have any fans in the stadium. True. Although I would have recommended no fans, but I'm not tight with the mayor yeah, of Tampa, that... unfortunately, yet. I'm not well, that's because you live in St. Pete. True, but we, we, we're, we're neighbors. We're neighbors. Yeah, but but you can't vote for the no. guy. Or is, I don't know if it's a guy actually. I, I believe it's a female. But uh, hmm, okay. what else can I ask in another six or seven minutes or so that we have left? Hmm. Oh, you. You could ask pet peeves. Okay. Because <laughs> in addition to being introduced right after, <laughs> you know, some somebody talking about tragedy for 15 <laughs> minutes. Uh, so I when I do shows, a lot, I do shows a lot of times at events where they'd be serving food. And I make it clear, you know, have dinner, clean up the plates, and then have the entertainment. And usually places are okay with that. But I was doing a show at a place where they didn't want to do that. They said, no, no, we have to have dinner after the show. And I said, okay, fine. And I show up and they've set up a small stage. What they didn't tell me is it's going to be a buffet dinner. So they put the buffet next to the stage before the show. (laughs) 
So the whole show, everybody's just staring. They're hungry. They're staring at the food. They didn't know that dinner was going to be after the show. <laughs> so I finally said, you know, I've had a great career. I've worked with some great comedians. I've worked with Jim Gaffigan and Jerry Seinfeld and Robert Klein. But this is my first time ever opening for coleslaw. <laughs> <laughs> And the guy in the back yells, it's potato salad. <laughs> I'm like, coleslaw is a funnier word. What can I say? It is. Ask anybody. Coleslaw is funnier than potato salad. It is. Potato salad so overused as a word. Coleslaw needs. It's also mushy. <laughs> yeah. You also you need a hard a hard like a K sound is funnier for some reason. So coleslaw is funnier than potato salad. <laughs> but oh, I did a show talking about food. I did a show a few years ago. It was a fundraiser for a private school, and they said they wanted to serve dessert during the show. And I'm like, okay, you can serve. You know, dinner will be over, but. You can serve dessert during the show. And I wasn't on stage at the time. My friend Dan was on stage. But here's what I didn't count on. They rolled out a dessert cart. And that is the most distracting thing ever. Because first of all, the person who's rolling the dessert cart has to go over to each person individually and explain what each piece of food is. And then serve them. And then go to the next table. And every table's looking like... Are they going to come to my table next? Why are they going to that table next? Why are they getting, why are they coming to this table? Is that chocolate cake? Is that creme brulee? I wonder if that's creme brulee. I wonder if it's cold or hot. And nobody's paying attention at all because everybody's just staring at the dessert cart. <laughs> Fortunately, it was, it was Dan's problem. It was not my problem. <laughs> you have to open up for dessert. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's the life of a comedian. Well, I opened for Dan, and Dan had to compete with, you know, creme brulee. <laughs> but that was his problem. Yeah, for dessert. Oh, I'm gonna remember that all day now. <laughs> well, I can tell you what. Can I tell you a semi-dirty story? Sure, you can. Okay, so I'm not. I'm on the road with my friend Dan and we're in Washington, D.C. And I just bought a new car, which doesn't have a name. And I start, you know, I had the car just a few months and we're getting ready to we just had dinner. I think we're getting ready to go to the hotel and I start the car and I hear this weird noise. I'm like, uh oh, this is a new car. You know, we're not near my house. What's that noise? And I shut off the engine. The noise goes away. I start the engine. The noise comes back. So I go outside and I open the hood and I listen and I can't figure out where the noise, what the noise is. It's sort of this, you know, buzzing noise and, and I can't figure out what it is. I close the hood. I get back in the car. I still hear it. I'm moving my head around trying to figure out where the noise is coming from. And it's coming from the back seat and it's coming from Dan's bag. And I say, Dan, is there anything in your bag that would, that would be buzzing or making noise? And, and he said, no. And I'm like, I'm not judging you, you know, just, I don't want you, you know, if it's not the car, I want to know that I think it's coming from your bag. Is there anything in your bag that would be, you know, buzzing or making noise or vibrating? And he's like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I think you should look. I'm, I'm not judging you. I don't care. You know, what you do in your own privacy is fine. And that's when I learned that, that my friend Dan has an electric toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs>
And he hates it when I tell this story and I'm like, it's an electric toothbrush. Why are you embarrassed? <laughs> it's good to have good oral hygiene. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I got an electric toothbrush because I was tired of my dentist telling me about it. I'm like enough already. Okay, I'll buy it because then I can say I have one. You'll stop yelling at me. Oh, well, our laughter trip has come to an end, unfortunately. Do you have... Oh, well, no. No, I know I didn't warn you ahead of time how long my podcast is, <laughs> so you could blame that on me and not the weather for not telling you how long our comedic combo would be. So, our, but, um, so the podcast got cut short by a snowstorm? <laughs> Yes, it got cut short by a snowstorm and dessert. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot dessert. Inter- and I didn't even get to eat any. <laughs> I'll, 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 ma- I'll mail you. The, I'll use the slushy air crusted freezer mail carrier to send you dessert. <laughs> okay, just don't make it ice cream because it'll melt before it gets here. Do you have any? Well, I was going to say. Um, normally, for my guests, I ask if they have anything encouraging <laughs> to say um, to wrap things up. But do you have any other humorous antidotes um, for my audience before we go? Well, well, we've been laughing, so I suppose I'm supposed to say something so people can leave miserable <laughs> to sort of even it out. <laughs> can I put in a yes. plug for me? Can yes, I mention yes. my website? Okay, so my website is brainchampagne.com. And there's not just videos, which, you know, comedians have on their website. There's a bunch of videos, but also 50,000 words worth of jokes. And to give you an idea what 50,000 words is, a novel is about 100,000 words. So that's a lot of jokes on my website. And it's all free. Awesome. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. I mean, if people want to pay me, that's fine. But I can't but stop laughing. But <laughs> can't like laugh for 32 minutes straight i mean i guess we could but you have your well if this were, if this were a performance there'd be a lot more laughter and you i would hope you would be laughing well for i'll probably be laughing straight. a lot longer after this but um thank you for joining me mr eli this was a wonderful conversation oh, thanks happy to be and here and to my listeners Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to the latest podcast episode of Words of Heart. If you enjoyed this episode or wanted to share your thoughts on it, feel free to send me a voice message right here on the Anchor app. Or if you want some more words of encouragement or just simple laughter, feel free to message me on my Twitter handle, which is heartwarrior24. And I hope you have a wonderful day.